Hello, hello, hello. I am your Amanda Freitag, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned-out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz, and let all things now living the song of Thanksgiving. I think for the past three years, I have started with the Catholic school of it all. Um, every Thanksgiving, uh, uh, there's just no other Thanksgiving songs. That's why it's just like not really the fu- the most fun of holidays to me, I think. Folks out there, I am still not in the mood. It is the day before Thanksgiving. I'm just not in the mood for uh, like 40 years of life. And for once, I am not in the mood. And as you know, I am a turkey girl. I am a turkey stan. But I just don't know what it is this year. I'm like, I'm not into it. I am really just, yeah, ugh. Thanksgiving, right? Um, thank God this year, though, I am I don't have to cook, right? I am not cooking this year. I am not traveling this year. Me and Mama G and some other folks are just going out for a lovely dinner someplace. And and that's and that's really it. So maybe maybe tomorrow I'll be in the mood. I, I really I don't know what it is, but like I, I'm just ready for the for the Christmas of it all, the Mariah Carey of it all. And, and yeah, that's all I have to say about it. But what I'm really excited about and what I am in the mood for, India Math listeners, is today's guest. So let me be quiet and just get to the getting on and welcome the one, the only, the celesbian herself. Please help me welcome Madeline Tag. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> hi, everyone. How are you? I'm great. I love your song. I love that you said the Catholic school of it all because I'm a Catholic school girl, 12 years. So yeah, uh, really listen. indoctrinated over here. Yeah. Do, do you not remember? Let all things now live. The yep. song of Thanksgiving. To I'm sang it on stages <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> are there are there other Thanksgiving songs that I don't know? Like a gobble gobble here and a gobble no, gobble there. You don't know the one that's uh, a turkey sat on a barnyard fence? No, but that sounds painful. Oh yeah, a turkey sat on a barnyard <laughs> fence. And he sang this sad, sad song. Thanksgiving Day is coming, gobble, 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 and I'll be eaten soon. We used to sing it in preschool and it seems horrible. No, no. You see, this is why I'm not in the mood this year. I do not want to celebrate the murderous holiday. (laughs) I'm just going to go say it. All right. (laughs) The holiday that celebrates murder, death and destruction and usurpation of of somebody's land. Right. It's a shame because it's a food focused holiday, like all the other foods, all the other traditions of like Christmas and whatever holidays you're celebrating throughout the year, 
they have food, right? But like Thanksgiving is so food focused, but then it has all the other elements that are kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's the Z way of it all. And I'm a Z way stand. Do you know Z way? Do you follow no. her on on the oh, gram? Actually, oh my- I did see her on um Watch What Happens Live, and then I like dove into her a little bit. Oh my god, you got to dive into the old Z way stuff. It's epic and very okay. uncomfortable. I love an uncomfortable moment, like especially mm-hmm. if I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, shout out to you, Z-Way, on this day. But listen, we are already off the rails. And Madeline, in I just need to wish you, in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you Happy National Sardines Day. My dad will be so happy that I was here on National Sardines Day. <laughs> That's not... I, I, I like to say I'll eat anything, but I don't know that... Tiny fish is on my list. Um, you know, canned fish is making a comeback. It really and is. Who was on the pod? Who was Alex Coons? Was it Alex Coons talking about canned fish? Somebody here was a canned fish stan. I can't remember now, but um, I feel like I'm seeing like tinned fish all on the menu. Oh no, it was Marcella from I think, but um. Yeah, just like the tin fish of it all. But you know what? Tiny fish need their day, too. I'm I'm more of an anchovy gal than yeah, a sardine well, anchovy, gal. anchovy, you mix them in, you make a paste. Really delicious. Yeah, they, like, melt into the oil. Yeah. You, you, like, you, you, like, there's, like, that little hint of, like, je ne sais quoi in the background, right? And you're, like, sardines is, like, next level. Well, I don't know if they're if they're sardines, but when I I lived in Spain and bocarones is a thing there, which is like a deep fried little fish, and being forced to eat those in my homestay, I think has scarred me for a bit on the the little fish life. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> bocarones, bocarones, um, they're fried anchovies. Oh, okay. So, but they seemed bigger there than anchovies here. So um, maybe it's like the fresh versus tinned. Style. Yeah, or maybe everything's bigger in Barcelona. Is that a thing? <laughs> From personal experience, I'm going to say yes. Okay, great. <laughs> I didn't have any experience there. <laughs> that way. <laughs> oh my god! Are there? Do you have? Oh my god! I'm choking. <laughs> I, I hope you're ready. We're we're already off to the rails. Welcome to yeah. In Your Mouth, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a warm welcome. <laughs> you know you know what it is on this chilly on this chilly uh, you know East Coast day because it is not warm in New York slash New Jersey where we both are. Yes. Are there are do you have sardines recipes in the background no, in your back? No, pocket? I I wish I could direct someone to the blog and say do this. I don't even put anchovies in my Caesar dressing. Um, because people don't like them. And then they say to me, I like that you have a Caesar dressing on your blog that doesn't have anchovies. Well, I think people don't like, people mentally think they don't like anchovies in their Caesar dressing, but then they'll have a Caesar dressing that they don't know anchovies is, are in it. Right. And they'll and, love it. And they'll love it. I think it's a mental thing. Yeah. But, the same with raw egg, raw egg in a dressing. Everyone or, thinks they don't want a raw egg in their dressing, but they don't realize that at restaurants... They're doing that all the time. Yeah, or the whole egg white and cocktails. People are like, ugh, egg white. And meanwhile, it's happening all the time, whether you know it or not, you know, for sure. Well, in your mouth, listeners, I'm going to let you in on a little trade secret. We are are pre-recording this, so that way we don't have to record the day before Thanksgiving because we are busy bitches over here. And so maybe Madeline will... Well, surprise us all with a pre-Thanksgiving Day sardines recipe for National Sardines Day. The pressure is on, Madeline, but I, I, the expectation is low. Okay, <laughs> well, no matter what you celebrate out there, whether it's National Sardines Day, National Anchovies Day, or just, you know... Fish dishes in general, we celebrate you. And moving right along into this day in gay history. Madeline, did you know that in 1967, Craig Rodwell opens the first bookstore devoted to gay and lesbian authors in the United States, the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop? Where did he open it? Does it say? 
I, it doesn't say, but I feel like it was in New York because it was momentous when it shut down. Okay, yeah, because there's a gay bookshop in Philly. So I live in Jersey, but right outside Philadelphia. So I consider myself a Philly girl. There's a gay bookshop in Philly that is very, very old, but maybe 1967 is older. But um, or maybe this didn't start as a gay bookshop, and now it's like in the neighborhood. But oh. who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood. <laughs> um. Yeah, initially located at 291 Mercer Street and then moved in 1973 to the corner of Christopher Street. And gay, yep, New York City. Yep. I so. probably could have guessed that or San Francisco would have been my other guess. Yeah, but I guess like in the later in the, in the gay history timeline. Yes, but shout out to Philly, by the way. Shout out to Philly because um, the Hamilton cast was uh, just there. And, no, you know, I missed it this round. I saw it yeah. last time they were here pre-pandemic times. Yes, my girl Pierre Jean Gonzalez plays Hamilton on the I Know Famous People in your mouth <laughs> listeners. So shout out to them. If you if that Hamilton cast with Pierre Jean Gonzalez uh, is in your hometown, uh, special shout out to you. Go see them. Go support. Well, you know what? I want to get to the getting on and celebrate you, Madeline. In your mouth, listeners, if you didn't know, and you probably already do, Madeline Tag is the beautiful voice behind madaboutfood.co. She is a recipe developer and food blogger who creates recipes that are approachable for the home cooks of all skill levels. When she's not cooking, she's exploring local restaurants in South Jersey with her wife, Amy. Hi, and welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I like to start at the very beginning. And, you know, I always love to ask where the love of food came from. Sure. Yes, yeah, so I already gave him a shout out, but really from my dad. He's a big food guy and has always... Um, been really extra when it comes to food. He's a really extra person in general. Like I call him my Martha Stewart. He's very over the top. And so when I was younger, he would make these meals that he would literally like source the ingredients all day on Saturday and then start the meal at 6 a.m. on Sunday. And then we would eat at like 9 p.m. Sunday. It was a whole ordeal. Um, and then my mom was a really good weekday cook, like made all of our meals from Monday through Thursday. And they were always delicious, even though she made them in 20 minutes. So I kind of like blended both of my parents' love of food and started cooking. And the real reason I started cooking was my dad was remodeling our kitchen one summer and he and my brother, my family was like split at the time, not for divorce, but for just geographic reasons. My dad and my brother were fine to eat takeout the entire summer. And I was like, I am a 17-year-old girl. I won't eat takeout all summer. So I taught myself how to cook on a hot plate and a grill and then took that to college with me and started sharing my recipes on Instagram in college. That's that's incredible. A hot plate, a hot plate and a grill. I can't speak this morning. A hot plate and a grill. <laughs> uh, coffee, please. Where's my production assistant? Oh my God, I don't have one. I can't afford one. Um, <laughs> where was I? A hot plate and a grill sounds like you know a nineteen sixty-seven musical, like starring you know Pia Zadora and <laughs> Julie Andrews or something. Yeah, there'd be some really good um, punny like food numbers in there. Right. Uh, um, you know, uh, pancakes and pancakes and grits or fried egg, fried eggs and hash browns is like the 11 o'clock number. You know, it's like the big tap number. <laughs> and it's a hot plate and a grill. <laughs> I should rethink my blog name, I think. Yes, uh, I mean, I think it was a I think it was a missed opportunity. And I want te- I want 10 percent now. Okay. Okay. If I write a cookbook called A Hot Plate and a Grill, I'll reach out. <laughs> at, le- at least let me write the forward. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That is incredible. So you were cooking. You know what? First and foremost, shout out to all the dads who cook out there because that's a story we don't often hear, especially on the on the pod, you know, Um like the dads that cook and the dads that show up and the dads that are there, shout out to you and shout out to all the moms that carry us through, obviously, as well. But, um, you know, men in the kitchen, in the home, is like, it's a big deal sometimes, you know? And like, especially dads that are dedicated to that. Wouldn't yeah, you agree? My, 
My dad um, was a great example of like, he wasn't the usual, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype anyone, but I guess like the, a lot of my friends or families I grew up with, the man was served by the woman kind of deal of like, she was in the home. He just showed up at the dinner table and my dad was always involved, still is almost more so than my mom. Um, especially when it comes to like decorating our home and, and, um, decorating for holidays and things like that. So I feel like that was a really cool way to grow up seeing my dad like that and seeing, I don't know, like that, that, that equitable split of responsibilities, even though my dad was the one like primarily working outside of the home. And that's why they kind of split the meals that way of like, my dad did these big grand weekend meals and my mom fed us on the weekdays. There were four kids. So someone had to be really <laughs> getting yeah, down yeah, on the yeah. weekdays, but it was yeah, it was really awesome. I think my dad still is a huge inspiration for me for like caring about your space in a very like thoughtful way, your home and the way you present yourself in your home and the way you feed guests and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very, um, it's uh, yeah, it's very special. It's very special. And dare I even say, and I'm not, I'm not calling your dad gay. <laughs> it's it, it's it's very. Gay. You wouldn't be the first one, <laughs> you know. But no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing that uh, to pop a tag over here. No man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he is that way. He's very. Um, you know about those things. Like he wears Gucci loafers, and my mom wouldn't be caught dead in a Gucci store. So it's just like it's very funny the yeah. way that they have that relationship. No, but like you know the care, and because I'm the same. Way. And obviously through you and and through your internet life, you're the same way, the way you present yourself and the way things are are presented. And it's very, it's very warm and it's very, um, we talk about gay food here a lot, right? And what, so I'm just going to skip to it and what that means, right? Or or if it means anything at all. And I think we've heard that definition of the, the, the finesse and the, and the presentation and, and the care about it, it's it's just more, it's more innate to us as LGBTQ people, like, to show up and show out that way. What do you think? It's really interesting because I think that part of my background with food is that I'm a very analytical person. So sometimes, like, the care and presentation is, like, secondary to me. I'm, like, an engineer by schooling and by trade, and so... I am more about like, okay, my recipe has these ingredients and how do those work together in an analytical side? Um, But I do think that like, because I do this and because I care so much about food, if I go to someone's house, I rarely show up without like a loaf of bread, bag of cookies, something that I've made or baked. And I do think that might be my version of gay food or my version of caring for others in that way of like, you'll never come to my house and not eat and I'll never show up at your house without food kind of thing. Yeah. 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 For sure. I'm uh, always the feeders always like, what do you need? Always. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, so you are inspired to cook by your family, by your dad, uh, you know, your beautiful parents. And then in college, all of a sudden, you know, the light bulb turns on. I'm going to start a blog. What, like, take me through that trajectory and, like, how that all came to be and then how it snowballed. Sure. So I can talk, I can get really wordy with this so you can stop me. But the the start of it is that I was sharing, Instagram was new in 2011, which is when I went to college. I was sharing food on my personal. I'm so old. (laughs) <laughs> you just made me feel you just made me feel real old girl. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't the attention. But anyway, so Instagram had just started. I was sharing Instagram on um on food on my regular Instagram and I was in a sorority, which is very like part of my journey of like I was fully straight sorority girl, like living that life. I went to Vanderbilt University, so I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was in the South. There was a lot of like that going on. A a lot of mean girls in sororities. I think it's just mean girl behavior. I don't think that it's individual mean girls. And a girl said to me at sorority chapter something like, why don't you put that food on a different account so we don't have to see it if we don't want to? And I was like, joke's on you. It's my career now, 10 years later. But I did. I switched it completely um, to a different account. I started Mad About Food. My first recipe was a hummus recipe because I was really into like healthier food when I was um, in college and post-college a little bit. And that's a little bit more of like a 
eating disorder, disordered eating part of my journey, but it was just like super healthy food. And the girl was like mean about it. She was basically like, we don't want to see these recipes on Instagram. It's so weird. And I went home, my roommates and I were like spitballing names. And one of my roommates said, how about mad about food? I don't even like know how it came up. And um, there's an old, there's that old uh, Paul. Um, mad about you. But we didn't yeah. even know that, that, that song. Hunt. <laughs> no, once again, old. <laughs> but someone then found that song and like plays it for me all the time. But so I anyway started it, started in my dorm room, cooked all through that was my junior year. So I cooked through my junior and senior year um at Vanderbilt. And then I was an engineering major and I graduated and I got this and um degree and I went to a job in software in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was traveling Monday through Thursday for work. And I was really miserable in my job, not only because I couldn't cook, but because I had to travel and didn't like that. And um, I would literally find whatever hotel I could find that had kitchenettes. And I would show up at the grocery store on Monday morning and fill my little hotel room with as many foods as I could make. And there's still images on my Instagram, if you scroll back, that were photographed in like a Hilton garden in kitchenette. And, um, and then I, I was living in Atlanta. I, my father got sick. So I had kind of made, and I went through a bad breakup around the exact same time. But the week my dad started chemo, my girlfriend broke up with me and it was also my birthday. So thanks. And so I had a choice of like move home or stay in Atlanta, moved home, started working for a family business because I had that flexibility. I was able to like grow the, the blog and start an actual website and moved off of Instagram only. And that was four years ago now, five years ago now. And so I've grown the actual website of it for years. And now it's my full-time job. There was a rocky patch during the pandemic where I wasn't sure where my money was coming from for a couple of months, like a lot of people, but turned that around. And now I cook every day, share recipes. I sometimes share sponsored posts on Instagram for income, but mostly it's just sharing my recipes on my blog is, is, is how I, I make a living. And I love it. And that's the Spark Notes but long. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. The Spark Notes. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I love the story of of rising up through trauma. You know? Not that we need to pa- uh, unpack all <laughs> all of it here, right? Because yeah. I'm not trying I'm not trying to be Dr. Fraser Crane. <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> I only play doctor in the bedroom, right? And <laughs> and sometimes on the pod, but <laughs> But the glow up, the glow up through the trauma and and navigating your way to happiness, right, is is really what the story is here, you yeah. know? It's weird because it's like the blog has been with me through a lot in a weird way when I think about it that way of like, it's the one thing through like ups and downs and relationship changes and even coming out. Like it's through all of things I've done in my life up until this point. It's like the one constant in a weird way. Um, and it's evolved with me, but it's like I've never given up on it. And I do feel like I sometimes have that like ADHD, TikTok has convinced me I have ADHD kind of feeling of like life of changing my mind a lot, but I never changed my mind about about the blog. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the fact of the matter is, and and what I what I love about this, right? Because it's it's happened in my life a lot too. I came into the food and media world in 2009 because I didn't see myself represented in on the Food Network, right? Not only as a Latino, but also as a queer person, as a LGBTQ person, and and that trajectory, right, as has been all over the place. And what I what I say is well rounded now, right? Even though I didn't realize it then. And every time I've tried to leave, it's pulled me back. It's like literally the one constant. So I completely understand. I completely understand this thing, you know, ever evolving and ever changing and and being a constant thing in your life to get you to where you are now. Actually, I wouldn't be here now for the same reason. You know, we wouldn't be here together sharing, you know, and communing if it wasn't for that reason. Yeah, I think, and also the weird, the interesting thing or weird thing is like that representation piece of it of like, I don't see myself has also like propelled me to continue or to share more. Because when I started, it was all about the food. If anyone was sharing food on Instagram, they weren't sharing themselves. Stories didn't exist, right? So then as time goes on, 
people start sharing themselves, the person behind the recipe more, and it actually makes people want to cook your food more, right? So when I started doing that, I had this moment of like, okay, so now I have to be honest about who I am. And what does that look like? What kind of backlash is that? Because I can be, because I present more feminine, I can be a straight girl behind a camera, right? I don't have to be honest about who I am in a world where maybe people aren't as accepting. And in a world where I hadn't even told people I know in in real life yet that I was gay, right? So it's like, I have this public persona where I have more followers than I know of real people in real life. And some of my real life acquaintances or relatives or whoever it is don't know this piece of my life because I'm living in Atlanta. I didn't come out until I moved to Atlanta. So I'm living in Atlanta. Everyone in my family is in the Philly area, except for like a few scattered around the country. I would never run into someone that I just happen to know unless they weirdly had a trip to Atlanta, right? When I'm walking around with my girlfriend, things like that. So as Instagram became more personal and I was leaning into that and saying for my business and for my what I'm sharing, I need to lean into this too. It actually, as much as there was some backlash, it has propelled me going forward because I still to this day get DMs from people who say, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your relationship with Amy, who is my wife. Um, Thank you for, you know, sharing your story when you were coming out. Like I shared it in the moment and people who have said like, it has helped me support a friend or a sister or whatever. And that has kind of like, not only has the food kept me going and I always come back to the food. I, I also realized that, that there really aren't a lot of people like me, like women, queer women in food. Um, there are a lot of chefs who are queer women, right, who are in, like, the more formal food world. But when you're a, a home blogger, home taught, you really don't have that much. You have, like, Jillian Michaels shares recipes sometimes, but she's a way bigger figure yeah, than me. Yeah, she's huge. Yeah, she's yeah. huge. And I am an Amy stan because I follow <laughs> I follow you. And I, and I love Amy. Amy is dry and not into it. <laughs> I love it. There are so many Amy stands out there. I think you come for the food, stay for the Amy. Yes, right. <laughs> I am an Amy. But in your mouth, listeners, you have to head over to Madeline's uh, Instagram, right? Just right. Uh, the food is gorgeous. The recipes are epic, and Amy is everything because they'll do these review like the. There's one most recently of like the Trader Joe's, uh, you know, pumpkin fall thing, and Amy's like, nope, don't like that. Ill. What is that? No. <laughs> so know, we started doing these taste tests on a whim and um, we were just at Walmart and I was like, Walmart has the weirdest snacks, like stuff I don't see anywhere else. We just started throwing them in our cart every time we would see one that was like an item we didn't see anywhere else. And we did a taste test and that was the first one we did. And people were like, Amy is amazing in these because I'm a, I'm a personality, kind of like you are, like, you know how to present to an audience and so I put on my persona. Amy just comes on. She's like, Amy, it's, it's just who she is online, which is hilarious. And I hope she never changes and like creates a persona for herself, which she won't because she doesn't doesn't do yeah. this daily. But <laughs> it's been it's been fun. So right. So on that trajectory of just sharing more about my life, Amy's the first girlfriend who I've introduced to my Instagram audience when she was, you know, just my girlfriend. And so um, that whole thing has been as much as it's been difficult, has been so empowering to be like, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I want to say queer because it just rhymes, but no, I'm here no. and I'm, a, I'm a person who has, is in this influencer world, who's in food, who's a woman. It's, there's a small, small group of us. Like I try to shout them out during pride month or whenever I can. And I wish I had a longer list. Well, this lady has not been shouted out, so I'm like <laughs> really up on that. Okay. We'll be number one. <laughs> I give big lesbian energy. Trust <laughs> okay, me. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you don't. You did the opposite of big lesbian energy. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, I give big old homosexual energy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to take a pause right there because I think now is a great time, Madeline, to introduce you to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Food news update! Food news, Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Thanksgiving dinner in ice cream form is back again from salt and straw. <laughs> is, is that okay? I'm getting uh, mac and cheese ice cream vibes. I've never heard of this. And so it's back again. It's the second year of this happening. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you to Food and Wine Magazine for always keeping me in the know for all my food news, them and the takeout. Not a sponsor, but you. I'm still waiting for that phone call whenever it wants to come in, right? But shout out to y'all for these articles. So apparently, right, we all remember the mac and cheese ice cream from uh, Van Leeuwen. Mm-hmm. That was a thing for from Kraft. But apparently, Portland, Oregon-based Salt and Straw prides itself on offering many unique and sometimes bizarre flavors. They've had, like, sheep's milk ice cream, smoked ham soft serve. But November is their apparently their favorite favorite time of year and this year um their five pint friendsgiving series features five all new twists on classic thanksgiving dishes in dessert form uh from parker house rolls with salted buttercream caramelized turkey and cranberry sauce candied walnut cheesecake sweet potato pie with double baked almond streusel and pumpkin and ginger snap pie which is vegan I actually really like salt and straw. I've had it on the West Coast. I don't know about the turkey one, but it's with cranberry. But the rest of them I'm here for. Like they're, I think you mentioned. They sound good. Yeah, I think you mentioned the goat's milk or like sheep's milk was one of them. That's one of the ones I've had from them, which was really good. Um, But that's not part of their Thanksgiving. We are specifically talking Friendsgiving. Oh, okay. So actually all of them sound good to me except for like the turkey one. I'm kind of confused. But I would love to try the Parker House Rolls one. The Parker House Rolls one sounds freaking delicious. Yeah. Okay? I am absolutely, yes, definitely here for that. But this caramelized turkey and cranberry sauce, so apparently... um, with the caramelized turkey and cranberry sauce pint, the brand says they roast turkey bacon from their from their friends at Diestel Farms to crispy perfection. So basically, it's bacon, turkey bacon at that, you know? Yeah, I think I could do it because of you know, like the bacon um, donut situation that we yeah, have. Yeah, like the, the maple bacon cookies, like the whole, that whole bacon in desserts thing completely works. I think salt and straw, even though I have not had them has hit this has hit this like five point thing on the head here i think it all sounds very very good yeah it'd be the kind of thing if you showed up to a friend's giving with all five you'd be a hero because everyone will be trying it and having a blast absolutely absolutely i had i had something to say about this and now <laughs> i forgot but the friend's giving series can be purchased for 65 dollars on the salt and straw website for shipping nationwide. Too bad it's the day before Thanksgiving, but maybe they have some left and you can have some for after Thanksgiving leftovers? Yeah, right? or keep an eye out next year. Yes, or keep an eye out. Oh my God, that's what I wanted to say. Uh, Joan Soda slid into my DMs because my episode with David Bertka, Neil Patrick Harris's husband, if I may drop a name, um, we talked about Joan Soda having a Thanksgiving dinner soda that they released. And they recently slid into my DMs wanting to send me some and it hasn't arrived yet and i was hoping it would it would have arrived before we recorded this so i can be like this is delicious this is disgusting i i'm i'm hoping for grand things but thank you uh on this day before thanksgiving (laughs) to jones for sending me their soda (laughs) which i can't wait to try sounds like a missed opportunity for amy and i to try things like yes. the ice cream, the soda. Have you seen Brock's Candy does a Thanksgiving dinner? Yes, the the candy corn Thanksgiving yep. dinner. You know what? Maybe we need to get together on like Instagram Live and try all these things. Oh, okay, good. Like, set the <laughs> like, date. I think we're here. For this. 
Let me know when the soda comes. <laughs> yeah, it should be here any day. I think, I absolutely think we are here for those. Reese's is selling its largest peanut butter cup ever, and it's the size of a pie. I did see this already, and people are devastated, and I hate to give a spoiler alert. It's already sold out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean... Yes, yes and no. Like, you can have your pie and eat it too. But, like, we, I think we have to start on what pie is your favorite pie for Thanksgiving? Because this is a very divisive subject here. So, I don't love pie. So Wait that's one of my Thanksgiving, like, gripes. Can we um, lean, can we, can, am I allowed to lean into the stereotype of it all and be like, how can you be a lesbian and not love pie? <laughs> You're on a big gay podcast here. <laughs> I actually am not, like, I'm not a good baked good lesbian. <laughs> Oh my god, any of us listeners, Madeline hates me. You should have seen her, her face. She was like, ah. <laughs> Can we re- restart? I love pie. I make pie all the time. <laughs> Actually, this, one- is, this is for <laughs> These are the moments I live for. <laughs> All right, back to it. <laughs> I'm outdid by my own community. I love pie, and I actually do. My mom makes the pies at Thanksgiving, and I do a sliver of apple and a sliver of pumpkin, equitably sized, and then <laughs> because because the the pumpkin and the apple have to have equitable sourcing on the plate. Yeah, <laughs> are we getting right. political here? I don't want my mom to think I prefer one of them over the other. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. I'm crying. I'm literally crying. That was good. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Reese's Pieces Pie and the types of pie that are divisive in in the world. Let's get get back on track here. (laughs) So the pie, though, isn't a pie, right? Like you could make a Reese's pie and make a beautiful pie with like Reese's cups and Reese's pieces in it. This is just a giant Reese's cup the size of a pie. Yeah, the size of a pie. Which doesn't really entice me all that much, to be honest. I've already said I don't like pie. I love a Reese's cup. Does it need to be the size of a pie? Well, you know what I used to love back in the day when... um, I was that gay that ate carbs, you know, because we don't eat carbs. <laughs> Actually, I, I eat carbs all the time. Um, I made the most delicious butter chicken uh, meatballs, spaghetti and meatballs the other day. It was in Encreible. Um, But they, in the freezer section, Reese's, I believe, has some sort of like freezer, like kind of pie-esque cake sort of thing. It's an ice cream situation, yeah. That's absolutely delicious, you know? So why wouldn't you have that? Uh, You know, like, mm, I'm on the fence uh, with this one, right? So I'm not upset. I'm not completely upset that it's absolutely sold out by now. It was sold out the day or, like, the hour it came out. Wow, wow. What are these things? Do you know what these things went for? I I love that you know more about this than I do at this point. (laughs) Only because... A friend of mine put it on his Instagram story that he was sad it, 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 that he didn't acquire one. Oh my goodness! Um, the pie was selling for forty four ninety nine um, on the website, and only three thousand were being sold. But like, since they're sold um, out, um, I bet you they're being sold on eBay for like, you know, a million dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. I <laughs> I don't know if you and I are here for this, but we both definitely <laughs> have to be here for the pie. Just <laughs> I'm here for the pie. Pie in general, I'm here for. We, <laughs> and last, and last, but certainly not least, <laughs> McDonald's Mariah Carey holiday menu is the menu we all want for Christmas. <laughs> Just to continue on with the ridiculousness of it all. Have you heard about this? I haven't, but I'm actually really excited for both McDonald's and Mariah. Because I feel like Mariah's really living for being like Mrs. Christmas right now. And 
this is a huge win for her. And I do believe that McDonald's started doing these like themed menus because they were losing sales. And so like they did like a, I don't know, like a Travis Scott and someone else menu to boost sales. So I feel like on both fronts, this is going to be successful for Mariah and for McDonald's. Yes, absolutely. And um, even though, I mean, I don't really eat it. I don't I just don't eat it. It's not in my it's not in my cycle. Like this kind of fast food in general, no shade McDonald's, but all the shade is just not in in the cycle. But Mariah the Mariah menu um runs apparently from December 13th to December 24th and it's called like the 12 days of Mariah. McDonald's will give customers one free item if they use the McDonald's app and spend $1 or more. The free items reportedly represents uh, Mariah's favorites from the menu. But, like, is Mariah Carey really eating McDonald's? Can we start there? <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. Although, you never want to, you never want to fast food judge someone because my third date with my wife was her birthday party, which she told me was a small gathering. It was over a hundred people at her house. And the entire dining room table was covered in fast food. People, brought things like a hundred Taco Bell tacos and a hundred McDonald's cheeseburgers. So you never know. There are people out there who really love fast food and I'm married to one of them. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. Now, now do I have to retract my statement? <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I, I, I feel like I've made, I've made a very controversial statement all of a sudden now I'm about to be canceled. <laughs> So I'm just saying through all that, you never know who's a yeah. fast food leader. But I don't think that like today, Mariah Carey trying to be like snatched and smashing pumpkins on her front porch is. Yes. I mean. Uh, she has a the, personal chef who's cooking every meal for her. Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, those titties need their sustenance for sure to keep them large and in charge. But I just I just don't think the money the money of it all, and this is why I'm saying this, the money of it all, I just don't think she's sitting there, you know, chowing down. But, like, good for her to collect that check from McDonald's. And, you know, and maybe she does every every so often, you know. She goes on to say that some of her favorite memories with her kids are their family trips to McDonald's. And, of course, each of us has our go-to order. Mine is the cheeseburger, and I get it with extra pickles, said Mariah. The person writing this article, who is this? Uh, Angela Pagan um, says, okay, she wins some points for adding extra pickles. I don't think I've ever requested customizations to my McDonald's orders. And that is your biggest mistake, uh, Angela, out there. Because that is the biggest fast food hack known to man. You order, you order, whatchamacallit, you order something and then you you customize it with like an extra pickles or add mayo so it comes out hot and fresh and it's not one of the ones that has been sitting there. Oh, very smart. Well, I was going to say the extra pickles does get me to like Mariah more. I love a pickle girly, but I don't know. I don't, I just don't see, she's loading up like what, an SUV with the kids and going to McDonald's. (laughs) She's not like celebs. They're not like other people. Like, I don't think she's doing that. Could you imagine Mariah in her like you know black Range Rover just rolling up to the to the McDonald's? Hello, what would you like to order, please? <laughs> Mariah's just like, if she was doing this, the teen who was handing her her food at the window would have video evidence of it. Do you know what I'm saying? She'd be yeah. like, Mariah came to my delivery. You know, someone is. Anyway, one of her 10,000 assistants is going out to get that for her when she's eating it. I think, you know what? I think I'm, I'm a Mariah Stan. I am a lamb for sure. So like, you know what? Collect your check. It's just another Christmas check for Mariah. (laughs) Right. She could probably make her entire money for the year. Like people talk about like Q4 for food bloggers is a big deal. Maybe it's Q4 for Mariah. She makes all her money in this year. She could probably do nothing. For the rest of the year, based on her whole now, like, she is Christmas because of one song. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, she's collecting that coin all year round, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think we're here for this. And shout out to you, Mariah Carey, for cash and checks and making Christmas the most wonderful time of the year. And with that, I think that's the perfect way to end Food News Update. (laughs) I think... 
I think this has been one of the most hysterical food news updates <laughs> to date. I don't think I've laughed. I don't think I've laughed that hard in a hot minute. <laughs> and all because I confessed my pie feelings. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my goodness. What a what a joyous moment on this day, the day before Thanksgiving here. I want to take a little bit of um a turn here, right? From the laughter of it all cuz you had mentioned coming out and you had mentioned uh your beautiful wife Amy and I kind of want to know what that road is for you because uh you made a very good point which I make here all the time is that you know, uh representation matters, our stories matter, and you never know who you can help out there. And I always love to ask and hear people's coming out stories because for that reason, right? And you've mentioned it yourself because it helps people through your blog. And hearing the audio of it, I also think helps people to relate and latch on because we never know who's listening. Sure, yeah. So I I was... I call myself like I, as soon as I realized I was gay, I was coming out kind of person where I was like a late realization kind of person, but never a long standing, uh, like living with this feeling closeted kind of person. Um, I, after college kind of expanded my, I guess like friend group and the way I see the world. I went to Catholic school for 12 years and then I went to a college that was, you know, probably more diverse than I allowed it to be, but because I was in Greek life, it was, I had a lot of similar to me friends and I didn't have, I didn't know a lot of queer people. If I did, they were male gay people. And so I didn't have a lot of like lesbian representation in my life. So I didn't even know that it was like a thing for me to choose kind of situation. And then when I was older and I was working, I was like, I think have a crush on that person and she's a woman and then I had this whole like reverse the tape of my life and all the people that I think I had crushes on that were women right and I I texted a friend um who's queer and I said I have to tell you something and she texted back are you gay (laughs) um and uh then I kind of was like okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try dating women. And I did the dating app situation because I didn't know how else to go about it because all of my friends were straight. And I was in Atlanta, Georgia, which has a very rich gay scene, gayborhood, but I wasn't spending time there and nor did I have an entry into that scene without the apps, which so I'm like so thankful for them. Yes, and swinging um, and swinging Richards wasn't the place to find women today. No, actually, to be <laughs> honest, like I've I had spent time at gay bars in Atlanta, but never the one lesbian bar, my sister's room. I don't even know if it's still there. Um, and it was always like really fun. I had a blast, but I wasn't there as like checking people out or trying to find someone, right? And so, um. Thank goodness for the dating apps because that's how I found, you know, people to date and start to explore dating women. And once I did, I was like, this is really, (laughs) this is it for me. I was never, I was never dating a lot of men in college. I was just kind of like, oh, that's fun for my friends. I'm super independent. I don't need to date anyone. Um, Little did I know, which is really, I wasn't like exploring that side of myself. And um, my whole life changed since that moment. Like I was a very, I still am a very uptight type A kind of person, but I think a lot of that was like hiding away, like vulnerability and being who I am and being myself. And now that I have that side of me, that's just in the open and I am who I am fully, I feel like I'm a little less uptight. Um, and so anyway, I did some dating in Atlanta, um, had a very more serious for me because it's like I started my whole dating life when I was 23, not, you know, younger, like most people. So it was the most serious at that point relationship. I thought we were moving to New York together and I was like, great, I want to move to the Northeast. That's where my family is. That's where I want to be. And then she broke up with me out of the blue. And I was like, so we're not looking for apartments in New York anymore, I guess. And, um, I came home and I lived with my parents for a couple months and because I was trying to get my feet wet in Philly and I was still working at my job in Atlanta. So since I was working remotely, I could be anywhere. And I, when I, as soon as I got my first apartment in Philly, I went back on the dating apps and did a lot, a lot 
of dating in Philly. Um, a lot of bad first dates. I have great stories. Like a girl threw up in the middle of a date kind of situation and oh, wow. disappeared and left me with a check. Um, wow. Uh, pause. Because uh, I have one to challenge you. Went out with this boy who was terrible. Uh, had had some pizza. He took the pizza, left the restaurant, right? Came back with no pizza. And I was like, where'd you go? He goes, oh, I went to feed the rats in the park. Okay. Yeah. That challenges it. That challenges the one. I had all kinds of experiences. I went out on a date with a woman who who told me she said something about like not being very experienced. And then I found out she had a wife. And I was like, what are you not experienced about? Dating me? Or because I'm less experienced, you have a wife. But, so. Oh my god, dating is dating is a, is a hot mess in this so world. I, but, anyways, I, but I continue. About, I was literally about to delete the apps. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. But I also again had a very straight group of friends where we were going to regular bars every night. Not every night, but every weekend night. And it wasn't there was nowhere for me to date around because I was didn't have that community, unfortunately. And probably partially because I wasn't seeking it out for myself because I was so fresh back in Philly that I just hung out with my high school friends. And um I matched with Amy like the night I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not gonna go on these these dates and these apps anymore. And um she and I went out to dinner the day after we matched, the day we matched on uh Hinge, no, Bumble. We talked on the phone for three hours, typical lesbian situation. Talked on the phone for three hours, talked about like how many kids we want, who would carry the kids, like literally just really went for it. Um, wow. We went on our first date the next day and then have kind of been inseparable since then. That was a little over, it was like three and a half years ago. Um, and we were, we did a pandemic wedding. We had 17 people at our wedding in 2020 and we're coming up on a, a year of a year of marriage in December. That's amazing. Congratulations and thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, A, for sharing your story and um and yeah, it's so beautiful. Just like the trajectory of and the story of like finding yourself, you know? Um, because I don't qualify coming out stories on the pod. Uh, everybody's journey is different. And and so the story of finding yourself through coming out is um, is one that's all uh, is very very special, and uh, you alluded to, and this is something we haven't heard on the pod too, uh, in your conversations with Amy about like who would carry the children and whatnot. And one of the things that I really love about you, uh, through your Instagram and just through your story, right, as as you share your recipes, as you share your food and, you know, do your job, you're also sharing your life. And one of those things that is very, very personal that I have a lot of friends going through right now is your journey, is your journey of fertility. Um, what is what has that been like? How, how are you doing? You know, like that's that's intense. It's intense. Um, I think one of the biggest things about like finding yourself in this journey for me was the reason I probably hid that version of myself from even myself, right? So we're getting really meta, is that I've always been, my goal in life is to be a mother. I have always been the cousin or sister or whatever who's taking care of everyone's kids. I babysat my whole entire life all the way through college. Um, so that's one thing I've always known about myself. And in my mind, it's like husband, wife, children, right? So then even when I was coming out, the biggest thing that I was scared of as joyful as actually coming, my coming out process was, was I want to be a parent. I want to be a parent young. I want to be a parent soon. So when Amy and I started dating, it was kind of the conversation we had of like, do you want kids? How soon do you want kids? Amy's a little bit older than me. So that was like, for her, she was like, yeah, soon. Great. I'm on board. Um, so we got married last December and called our fertility doctor like a couple of days afterwards because we know we can't just start trying at home the old-fashioned way. So we called the fertility doctor and it's been almost a full year process so far, which I had no idea, um, you know, really naive going into it. And that's part of the reason why I talk about my fertility journey on Instagram, especially for queer couples and not only queer couples, but any kind of couple who may have infertility issues and especially if you have to deal with sperm donation and um, 
or, or egg donation, like all these things where you're having to purchase a part of the process, it actually takes a lot longer than you might think. There's the FDA regulates it. There's testing involved. There's so many forms to sign. And I just want to talk about that so people know going into it that like start with your, first of all, start with your financial situation because unfortunately that's the first question that you're going to have to figure out. And then second of all, start a couple months ahead because you're not going to go into it and like, we, I hope for everyone they go into it and a month later they're pregnant. But for us, it hasn't been that journey, right? So we always knew that I wanted to carry the children. So that was the first attempt would just be to IUI, which is like the joke of like turkey baster method, but it is kind of that, but in a doctor's office. Um, so we purchased sperm. And then the biggest part of it is just like figuring out my cycle when we can go in for procedures. And then eventually, hopefully, we'll have a kid that will be, you know, genetically my child and our sperm donors. And then we'll do reciprocal IVF, which would be that we'll, um, Amy will do egg donation and I'll carry the second child, but will be genetically her child. Um, So that's our goal. And it's been a lot longer of a process than I thought. And it's as difficult as it is. It's making me a stronger person overall, which I think is important when you go into being a parent. I think there's like things that are happening to me right now that will make me a better parent because I've I've had to deal with more struggle and just had to handle that mentally. And then also just knowing that there's a my goal at the end of it. Like when you do anything hard in life, there's probably like, there's not as sweet as goal as like being a parent as there, you know, like there's, you know, you could you go to law school and you can become a lawyer at the end, but then you still have to work as a lawyer. <laughs> like, I think it's a really sweet goal at the end of the the difficult journey that we've been on. Um, so we're in it right now. We're still, still going through it. And um, I just think that the biggest thing for me was the mental toll it takes on you. Um, and that's why I want to talk about it on my Instagram because I don't think people talk about it. No, it's important. It's important. And A, thank you for sharing and being so open with us. And B, it's it's a story, and I've said this to women friends, right? Now, I can't, I'm not even going to try to sit here and try to understand and be like, yes, I can sympathize. No, <laughs> that's not that's not it. But from what I see and what I've seen my my friends go through, this is a process that is like none other. It's a process that people don't talk about enough, right? The -hmm. complications of the process certainly aren't like, aren't like mainstream media people talking about. And then add the layer of like being, being queer on top of it, being lesbian, being gay on top of it, right? And that process too it's it's such a like one of those multi-layered crepe cakes that we need we need to be talking about this. We need to be hearing these stories. We need to see the journey not only not only to help others, but I think it's also uh, I would imagine a little therapeutic to you as well to like you know get this like be able to like kind of communicate and commune. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing is we all this is this is this is what we see of pregnancy is that a woman or, you know, whoever it is, is announcing I'm pregnant and they are 12 weeks into the process and they've done everything to get to that point in secret. They create the child. They don't tell anyone. Rarely do people say we're trying unless they are like questioned directly. So they do this in secret. Then the first trimester, which is the hardest part of the pregnancy, many women say, save for the last few weeks of it, you know, they do that in secret. A lot of people miscarry during that time. So they live maybe a secret trauma and a loss. And then the only time we find out about it is like 12 weeks into it. And it, it it's so, because that's what I see. That's what you see as the image growing up. And still on Instagram, it's like the mommy bloggers. It's like these over-the-top announcements of we're pregnant. And I think that more and more people are starting to share, which is really refreshing. But because we don't share the beginning part, we don't know how much work went into each child. You just see this like surprise explosion of pink at a gender reveal or whatever they are, which like that's a whole nother journey. <laughs> it's a whole nother podcast, girl. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's like, you know, I I just want to, you know, we don't know each other, but like I feel 
I feel a connection and like I'm proud. Like I it's like seeing this and seeing what you do. It's just like, yes, like, yes, this is my sister in my community and she's doing the thing and she's telling her story in a very honest and authentic way, right? Through this vein. And it's and it like makes me proud on the other end to be like, yes, do that. Right? Because we need to see that, right? Thank you. And it's important. It's absolutely important, right? So, like, you know, I'm rooting for you on this journey. I'm rooting for the both of you. You know, I'm sending you all the love through the screen right now. Um, And I just can't thank you enough for for being so open here with me, you know, as as two complete strangers, because in your mouth listeners, you know, you know, I love to slide into a DM (laughs) (laughs) respectfully and sometimes disrespectfully. Before we close out, because I feel like I could talk to you forever, um, what's next? Besides, I mean, we obviously know what's next, girl. <laughs> yeah. But what's next for Mad About Food? What What can we expect? A two-part question. What's next? And favorite Thanksgiving, day before Thanksgiving tip. Okay, so day before Thanksgiving, my biggest tip is make whatever you can today, right now. And if you haven't done that yet, don't panic because you can do the whole thing in a whole day. I have a schedule on my blog if you want it. But the day before, if you haven't cooked things and you're listening to this at like 10 p.m. the night before, the best thing you can at least do is take out all of your serving trays and put a little sticky note in it what what dish goes in each thing because there's nothing worse than having like hot mashed potatoes on the stove and you have nothing to serve them in. I mean, you can always just throw the pot right on the table, but if you do the platters tonight, you're going to feel more established tomorrow. Yeah, actually, you know what? A, a day before mashed potato is super easy. You know, salt the water, boil a potato, right? Watch watch reruns on si- of Seinfeld on Netflix. Boom. Right. And then put little pads of butter all over the top of it before you put your covering on in the fridge. Then a little bit of heavy cream on top of the butter pads right into the oven. You won't have dry mashed potatoes. Exactly. Or, mash- or the Bain Marie of it all, you know? Yeah, so that um, that's my day before tip. And what's next is um, just more of the same. I really am getting into my groove of sharing recipes and having a schedule with that. And um, I'm really enjoying just connecting with people on Instagram and sharing my recipes with them. Um, I've, I mean, forever, we'll just manifest it and put it out there, cookbook someday. But I am really enjoying like trying to slow down my life. I think we live in like, what's next? What can I be? What can I be better and bigger? And I'm really enjoying my like little life at home and sharing my recipes with the world that way. It's really nice. And always love it when people tell me they made things or made things like with their kids or their family. That makes my day. Yeah, yeah. I need some, I need you to send me because as if I couldn't just make it here. (laughs) That sugar cookie, uh, the sugar cookie uh, coffee Syrup. syrup. Oh my God! I want it. I want it. Even though I'm on the, even though I'm on the monk fruit sugar, you know, the keto. Okay. Like <laughs> you can use it. You can yeah, use it to I, make I, to make the syrup. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why not? <laughs> oh my God! I feel like today has been so special, and I can't thank you enough for giving me time out of your very very busy schedule uh, for little old me and my big old. Big old gay podcast here. Thank you so much for coming along on my really stupid rant. Thank you. <laughs> and just laughing, laughing with me and just saying yes to the, to the ridiculousness that <laughs> I am. It's been really, really special. So thank you. Give the kids all the handles, all the websites so they can find you, make the recipes, find find that Thanksgiving schedule because we, we need it, honey, if you're in the mood. Yeah, so I'm at Mad About Food um, on some things at Just Mad About Food. On Instagram, I'm Mad About Food with underscores between each word. But if you type in Mad About Food, I'll come up. My website is madaboutfood.co because I couldn't get .com. And if you're looking for that Thanksgiving schedule, it's Simple Thanksgiving Menu on my blog. And it'll give you like the whole day in a schedule. Um, and I hope you guys will come hang out with me. My, it all goes down on the Instagram and then the recipes are like extra. So, <laughs> Well, uh, listen, the listeners are there, although some of them don't like no shade, y'all, but a little shade. Some of, the, some of y'all, I, I see the numbers. Y'all are out there. Right? <laughs> and I don't have I don't have thousands upon thousands of friends. Only in my mind do I do. So go show show her all the love. Show me all the love, too. But show her all the love first. Right. 
Um, if you're interested in the background stories, too, that we you've heard today, she shares everything on the Instagram, and it's really special and done in a beautiful way. And 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 go live for the Amy of it all, too, because it, it's really, it's really, really, really good. <laughs> in your mouth, listeners, big thanks once again to Madeline Tag today. Um, what a really freaking special episode on this, the day before Thanksgiving. Um, I want to, you know, salute you all out there if you're in uh, amidst Thanksgiving prep and doing the thing and listening to me while while you're baking and and mashing and and searing and Lord knows what else you're doing out there. Because you know what? I'm not in the mood and I'm not doing it. And with that, all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth! Oh yeah, and happy Thanksgiving.